Welcome to another episode of Bible Armor. I'm Brandon. And I'm Joslyn. And today we're going to be talking about the rapture, the last days, and how the rapture is different from the tribulation. And how we know that the rapture will happen before the tribulation. So first things first, let's get started off with a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you that we live in a time where we can get together and talk about your word and discuss everything about the Bible and bring this information and this knowledge to as many people as we can, Lord. And we know that you are with us. We know that you never fail us. You never give up on us. And I pray that you anoint me to be able to get your message across. And I pray that you anoint the ears of anyone listening to be able to receive your message, receive your will in the way that they need to, to be able to understand it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So what is the rapture? So rapture, in the blink of an eye, anyone who has ever trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, living or dead, will be caught up to meet Jesus in the clouds and go to heaven with him and escape the tribulation. So one of the important things that's highly debated is, um, are the rapture and the second coming the same thing? And I have scriptural proof to back up our beliefs that the rapture and Jesus' second coming are two totally different events. So some general information about the rapture and the second coming, the rapture, will happen first. It'll be before the tribulation starts. It's not what starts the tribulation, but it will happen prior to the tribulation. So basically just out of nowhere, all of the believers are just basically going to disappear. And I think that probably 90% of people that are not raptured are gonna have no clue what's going on. There are gonna be millions of people just disappeared all of a sudden like yeah. very very quickly so when you think about all the traffic you think about yeah like the planes the i mean it's going the world's going to change in not even a split second less than that and it's going to create also like economic issues and all these kinds of things that the people are who are left here are going to have to deal with and you can see how that totally sets up for the antichrist to take over the world and establish like the one world religion and government and all that stuff that the Bible talks about. So one of the most important things to me is the fact that we get to be raptured. All of the believers are going to instantly be with Jesus and we don't have to worry about the things that are happening on earth at that time because they're going to be by far worse things that have ever happened Ever. Worse than anything that's ever happened. Yeah. Going back to the rapture and the second coming. So some people believe that the rapture and the second coming are the very same thing. Um, scripture tells us otherwise. So when we look in Matthew 24, 36 through 42, I'm going to read it here. But no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the son himself. Only the father knows. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. 
In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time that Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept, or took in other translations, took them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. There's a lot more verses, a lot more passages in the Bible about the rapture, but the, uh, I would say this is probably one of the primary mm-hmm. ones. And when you read that initially, it kind of it's very easy to kind of blend it together. Like, oh, those, these are all res- referring to the same event at the same time. So in Matthew 24, verse 39, says people didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept or took them all away. This is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Then, verses 40 and 41 say, Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So, in verse 39, the word swept or taken or took, depending on what translation you're reading, uh, took them all away. This word took is translated from the original Greek word that actually carries a negative connotation. I wish I could pronounce the word. I'm sure that if you looked it up, you could find the actual Greek writing of it. But for these purposes, I'm just going to kind of basically tell you what those mean along the lines of what those mean. So in verse 39, People didn't know what was going to happen. The flood came, took them all away. This is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. So one important thing is that people didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came. Now in verses 40 and 41, the words taken, one will be taken, the other left, in both verses, is translated from a different Greek word. And that Greek word means taken with a positive connotation. So even though in our translation, I think any English translation, we only have one word for taken. If you were taken, you're taken. We don't have different words for I was taken to the ice cream shop or I was taken to jail. They're both taken. So with this, this, these verses, I feel like it's, it's really important to understand that these are two totally different words and they carry different connotations. So verse 39 carries a negative connotation. Verses 40 and 41 carry a positive connotation. So knowing the difference between those, people had no idea what was going to happen. All of a sudden the flood came and it, when it says took them all away, it's talking about everyone in the world except for Noah and his family and the animals on the ark. So everyone that was not on the ark was swept away or taken. Now, verses 40 and 41 are talking about the rapture because we see that taken with a positive connotation. And what that is saying is that out of nowhere, all of the believers are going to be taken. And that's taken with a positive connotation. Whereas uh, in verse 39, It's talking about the not-so-good being taken away. Yes, and in when you read the Bible, 
which we encourage everybody to do so you can see all this Absolutely. stuff for yourself and like reading the bible studying the bible just helps so much more to understand and you find different things every single time that that makes sense to you in a different way so the differences that you see in the bible between the rapture and the second coming is that the rapture is the translation of believers which is it affects only believers um they'll be snatched up and then also the the dead in christ first they get they get their bodies go up and their spirits already in heaven but their body is going to be resurrected and reattached to their spirit they'll get an eternal body as well and then in the second coming no translation is involved for believers in the rapture the saints or the church goes to heaven in the second coming the saints return with jesus to the earth in the rapture the earth is not judged in the second coming the entire earth is judged and the rapture is imminent meaning that nothing has to happen before the rapture like no there's no warning or sign in the bible that says when this happens that's when you know you're going to get raptured but we do have like the signs of the end times and the last day so we know that it's coming we just there's nothing that specifically has to happen before the rapture it'll just basically come out of nowhere like there's yeah. not going to be and it'll just happen yes basically we're all going to have perfect spiritual bodies just like jesus had when the apostles saw him after he was resurrected and remember he could just walk through walls and stuff so space and time didn't affect him in the same way that it does with us currently here on earth and the other thing that i thought that was interesting is that when the apostles saw jesus after he was resurrected he asked for food like he was hungry you know so with that perfect spiritual body based on that i mean i would have to assume that like we still get to eat food yeah i think so Maybe it's like completely calorie free yeah. food or something that doesn't make you gain any weight. I don't know. But I did think that that was interesting. And yeah, we're basically just going to be shot up out yeah. of nowhere. And Jesus will be seen only by the believers. No one else will actually see him, but we're just going to be caught up and we'll be with him mm-hmm. pretty much instantly. And in the second coming, everybody sees jesus it's yes. not just the believers there's many signs many things. things that have to happen or well many things that will happen before the second coming because the second coming is at the end of the tribulation mm-hmm. so basically I, as a general timeline at some point that nobody knows the exact day or hour we're just going to be raptured the rapture doesn't kick off the tribulation, what actually kicks off the tribulation is when the Antichrist signs a seven-year peace treaty with Israel. Mm-hmm. And then after half that time, he goes back on it. It's very ugly. Uh, but basically, after the rapture that happens, there's the tribulation lasts seven years. And then the second coming of Jesus, we're all going to be with him already because we've been raptured. And so we're actually going to come back with him to this earth to rule and reign with him and it's we'll be coming back to this 
actual earth, which is something else that a, a lot of people think, I feel like, when you die, you just go to heaven and you're just there forever. When in reality, that heaven is kind of a holding place because during the second coming, we come back with Jesus to this earth and then there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Heaven and hell that we think of currently at this point in time, in our time, are basically temporary holding places. Now, when we're back here with Jesus forever, it's going to be heaven on earth, or yeah. there's going to be maybe like in the Garden of Eden where heaven and earth overlapped, but maybe it will be completely intertwined with each other. I don't know exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes, and we'll do an episode on the tribulation. Yes. And we can talk about how all that's going to happen with the new Jerusalem and the new earth. What the Bible says is how it's going to be. So yeah, we'll do an episode where we get more into detail about what happens in the tribulation and, and all that kind of stuff. So why we believe that the rapture will happen before the tribulation, there's tons of Bible verses that talk about it happening before. In Revelation 16, 15, Jesus says, Look, I will come unexpectedly as a thief. Blessed are all who are watching for me, who keep their clothing ready so they will not have to walk around naked and ashamed. If Jesus was going to rapture us during the tribulation, we would know, we would expect exactly when he would come because the Bible is very specific about the dates in the tribulation, like how long it's going to last, how many days till the Antichrist breaks the peace treaty. We'll talk about it all next week, but we would know exactly when that's going to happen if we were raptured after the tribulation started. And Jesus says so many times, watch out because you don't know when I'm coming. Right. Be prepared. Be prepared. Yeah. yeah. And in Matthew 24, 44, he says, you must also be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least, least expected. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, Paul says, and they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, who God raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment, referring to the tribulation. Another verse is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Another one I put on here is Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, where Jesus is talking to one of the churches he says, since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. So we believers will not have to face what is coming because it's just not for us. And also in Revelation, the churches are mentioned at the very beginning and then they are. there's no more direction for the churches. There's, they don't talk about the church at all. The church isn't mentioned until John sees the church coming down with Jesus at the second coming right. well, from heaven. Because I think right after the letters to the churches, sometime shortly after he has the vision of heaven, which yes. is, it symbolizes or represents yes. the rapture. And then, yeah, you're right. After that, there's no more instructions or specific information for the church. There is for the people that are left behind. Mm -hmm. And then he describes all of the terrible, horrible events that are going to happen to the people that 
are left behind. Mm -hmm. And that's something else is that really motivates me to just share the gospel that much more. Yes. Um, That would just, that would be the coolest thing. I don't know if this could actually happen, but it would be so cool to be in heaven and like have someone come up to you and be like, hey, thank you so much for telling me about Jesus. Yes. Not, Not for like a prideful, boastful type thing, but that would just be... Like a cool feeling, mm-hmm. I guess you would call it. Yeah, because that's what we want to do. We just want everybody to know Jesus. Because Jesus yes. is the way, the truth, and the life. And it will change your life. It will yes. absolutely change your life. The more knowledge that you can pick up about the Bible, God, Jesus, anything that has to do with the Bible, things just start making sense. Yes. So I... Growing up, reading books was extremely difficult for me, me because too. Um, I would read it, read a page, have no idea what I just read, go back and do it again, do that a few times, and then eventually just read through it, and then I wouldn't remember anything, and I would score like a zero on the test. So I never really read books. I just figured like, oh, it's, it's a waste of time for me because it's not going to make sense, but... When I started reading the Bible, I, I, I can't really describe it, but it was like everything that I would, I mean, not everything, but I was retaining so much more information and I was able to make sense of it. And then when that happened, I just, I could not stop reading the Bible. I, I mean, like there were some days where I would sit down, start reading and eight hours later, I'd be like, oh man, it's getting late. I should probably go to bed. I can't wait to read in the morning. <laughs> yeah. It's it's crazy. So anyone who thinks like, oh, this is this is over my head or I, I don't understand this. The Bible is too hard to understand or anything like that. When God sees that want, that ambition in your heart, I mean, I, I imagine it as though he looks down and says, you know, this person is, they want, they're craving that knowledge. They want to know more about it. And God wants to give that to us. He yes. wants to give that that understanding, the wisdom about the Bible. And it just, it puts everything else in your life into perspective. And you really see things through a new set of lenses. You notice things that you never noticed before. That's kind of right in plain sight, right mm-hmm. in front of your eyes. Um, It's truly incredible. So while we're mentioning all of these verses, I highly encourage you, open your Bibles, look these verses up, read them, and check us on this stuff. Yes. The Bible is a huge way that God speaks to you. You're reading his word, and there's things that jump out at you on purpose from God to help guide you, direct you, train you, all those kinds of things. Absolutely. Like that is him conditioning you for yes. eternal life. For everybody who says that the Bible just doesn't relate to today and, and it's been translated so many times and all these things, it's not true. There are a lot of different translations, but they all stick very true to the original Greek and Hebrew texts. So when you see a word in the Bible in English, you can look up like what is the word used here what is it in greek or hebrew and then you can look up the definition of that greek word and you'll see what it means in greek um in the original texts 
And, right. and we know too from the Dead Sea Scrolls yes. that our texts that we have today, our translations are so incredibly accurate to the text found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And it just shows how inerrant the Bible is and just how specific God is and God will preserve his word, right? So mm -hmm. throughout all that time, the translations that we have now still mean exactly what was written in those texts. Yes, and the Bible does talk about the rapture. It doesn't, in English, it does not use the word rapture, but in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul says, After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. So in this verse where, um, where you see the words caught up, it's translated from the Greek word harpazo, which means to take suddenly or to snatch. And in the 4th century AD, the scholar Jerome translated the New Testament from the original Greek to Latin, which is now known as the Vulgate, which is just the Latin translation of, of the Bible. And for this verse, for 1 Thessalonians 4.17, he translated harpazo to the Latin word, which I think you say it raptuus. Um, I could be wrong in pronouncing that. And that word in Latin means to take suddenly or to snatch. And this is where we get the English word rapture, which means to take suddenly or to snatch. Right. And some people say that well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. By that same logic, grandfathers, the Bible, and the Trinity wouldn't exist either because none of those words are in the Bible. But we still know that obviously all of those things exist. So the word is written in that original Greek language. Harpazo. So, yes, <laughs> harpazo. So that clears that up right there. And another reason why we believe that um, the rapture will happen first before the tribulation is because Jesus said the believers are the salt of the earth. So they keep righteousness and all these things on the earth. And once the church is removed, Jesus says sin will be rampant everywhere and it's going to be crazy because the church is gone, basically. So what what is holding the Antichrist back is the church. That is why he hasn't been revealed. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8, Paul's writing to the church in Thessalonica who thought that they had missed the rapture. So he wrote a letter to them like talking about all this stuff. And so in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8, he says, don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? And you know what is holding him back, for he can only be revealed when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly, and it will remain a secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. So what Paul is saying is, or what I believe Paul is saying is that the church we know that we're the ones holding him back so once we're gone that's gonna give him the ability to rise into power a lot of the things that 
like the Bible says about the Antichrist, like he's gonna come in, come in, like, you know, the time of like distress and rise to power. And then the second half, he just like goes crazy. In that time, he's trying to like establish the one world government and the one world religion and all that stuff. So to me, what makes sense is that once the church is taken out, the sin is rampant everywhere because there's just not, I mean, yeah, the church is gone. That whole situation, like we were saying economically and all those kinds of things, because it's going to affect the whole world. There's going to be shortages of things and all that. So that's going to give him the power to come in and say like, oh, I can fix all these things and everything that he's going to do. I think that the rapture is, is going to cause all that kind of in a way, like, you know what I mean? Like just it'll, the... It'll definitely start some things because yes. think about the economy if just let's just say half just for numbers sake you own a business you own a corporation out of nowhere half your employees are gone and that's half the employees that work for you in the office half of the employees that you know transport goods or provide services or whatever that is so pretty much immediately your business is crashing and that's going to be i mean most likely i would assume happening to one every major corporation and all kinds of different businesses around the world and also like depending on where you live in america canada like these bigger countries there are christians especially here in the government all these things so when yeah, and then also the taxpayers are going to be disappeared, so there's not right. going to be tax money, and all just it's going to be insane. Well, and people that are like, imagine you know a doctor operating on someone, saving mm -hmm. their life, and all of a sudden he's gone. The nurses are gone. Yeah. And so I feel like that's also going to start all kinds of just chaos, kind of. Yes, like. And I feel like a lot of people are going to die very quickly just for reasons like that. You know, there's people that have their life in somebody else's hands. There's just going to be mass chaos. And I feel like a lot of people are unfortunately going to die very quickly because of the way that everything is set up. So and think it about happened so suddenly. Right. Too. Out of nowhere. Yeah. And the say the energy companies that provide everyone with energy they're going to lose just say half i don't know what the actual number will be but just say half of their employees anyone that works for them mm -hmm. so this is going to affect literally every single profession every single aspect of human life i feel like people are yeah. gonna i mean their loved one loved ones are Gonna be gonna missing. Disappear. Right. Every you know what's something else I, that I didn't think of until I watched the movie Left Behind, the newest one, Rise of the Antichrist. Mm -hmm. All of the children, anyone who's under the age of accountability, so let's just say six. Anyone under the age of six, including babies, are gonna disappear because they're going to be raptured because they're under the age of accountability and that that to me is is seems like one i mean everything's horrible but that would be in my opinion one of the absolute worst things if your child just disappears and right. you're 
still here. Right. You know? Well, and that's what's also going to, like, after we go up to heaven and all these people are gone, a lot, like, there's going to be a huge revival of the church because people are going to realize, oh, this was all real. (laughs) And so that's one of the good things about the tribulation. The sad thing is that most, I mean, most of them are going to be killed for their faith, but they will get rewards in heaven just for that. And, And the good part about it is that a lot of people are going to realize that Jesus is Lord. Um, and there, there will be people that get saved after the rapture. Yes. But they won't be raptured because it's already happened. So there's only one yes. chance, only one shot for the rapture. And then after that, there will be people that give their life to Jesus. Now, they're most likely going to be martyred for their faith or killed. We really only get one chance for the rapture. So even more reason to spread the gospel yes. to, and, and really most importantly, to give your life to Jesus Christ. I also think that when the rapture happens, the government is going to play every angle that oh, they yeah. can. So they're going to say, oh, it was an alien abduction. It was a terrorist attack. It was climate with change. special technology that yes. we don't know about. Yeah, they'll definitely try to cover it up for sure. Right. And that'll be the perfect place for the Antichrist to step in and be like, hey, I could fix this. You know, mm-hmm. people are going to be so desperate. I mean, yes. literally every aspect of human life is going to be chaos. And that's probably the least of the horrible things that are going to happen during the tribulation. But I feel like that will be a huge catalyst to the Antichrist rising to power and people just handing their power. I mean, major mm-hmm. kingdoms of the world handing their power over to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in the first three and a half years, he's going to come as like this person who is going to fix all the problems that have risen and he's gonna be very charming and all those things to get people to you know want him to be in power or i i don't know how it'll happen but you know he's gonna be trying to get everybody on his side in the very beginning of the tribulation and then in the middle when he breaks the peace treaty with israel then he's going to go and become very, very evil. Um, He's going to turn on Israel. Yes, yes. And all of the nations, I think all of the nations around Israel are also going to turn on them. And the second half of the tribulation is going to be, I think, radically different from the first three and a half years because Israel is going to feel at peace. They're going to be like, you know, this guy signed a treaty with us, a peace treaty. He's allowing us to rebuild the temple. Uh, once that peace treaty is signed, that starts the seven-year tribulation. In Matthew twenty-four thirty-six, the verse reads, But no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. So this verse begins with the word, but... When you translate that word from the original Greek, it is depori. I think it's depori is how you pronounce it. What that is, is a contrastive introduction of a new subject. So before Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, he is talking about the second coming. Then we get to verse 36, but 
No one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Now, we still do know when the end times are, and we know that kind of period of stretch of time, but no one knows the exact day or the exact hour. So that word, depuri, depuri, the contrast of introduction of a new subject, that same Greek word is also used in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 to introduce a new subject. And you see that also in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 12, and chapter 16. So when reading this passage in Matthew 24, it's very easy to just think that he was talking about the second coming at the end of the tribulation because he was talking about that before this verse. Now, when he says, but no one knows the day or the hour, he's changing to a new subject, which is the rapture. A lot of people think that that passage just reads directly through. In Matthew 24, 29 through 30, it reads, immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. The important thing about, or there's many important things, but one of the important things about this passage is that this is talking about the coming of the Son of Man, of Jesus. What he's saying is that the second coming will come after the anguish of those days. And it says the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light. Now, when we look back to Matthew 24, verses 36 through 42, he was saying in verse 37, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time that Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. This is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. So in the other verse, he had just said that the second coming of Jesus will be immediately after days of anguish. The sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light. Now, in Matthew 24, verse 37, he says that things will be like they were in Noah's day. No one will expect anything. No one will, you know, basically know what happened. So obviously Jesus does not ever contradict himself. The reason that these two passages seem like they clash is because Jesus is referring to two totally separate events. So to say that the rapture and the second coming are the same thing, applying this concept makes absolutely no sense because he's saying two completely different things when in reality he's saying two completely different things because he's talking about two completely different events. So there was no, the sun was not darkened. These other signs did not happen in Noah's day. But Jesus says in the second coming, there will be signs. Some interesting things about the references to Noah and the ark are, if you think about it, Noah was basically lifted off of the earth in a boat, but he was lifted above all of the terrible things that were happening, the flood. 
So he was out of that. He was away from that. He was safe from that. When the rapture happens, we are all going to be in, I guess I would say, ark, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. um, but we're all going to be safe, and we're going to be above what is going on on earth. So there are so many similarities between the story of Noah and the ark and what is going to happen during the rapture. Mm -hmm. Something I want to add to what you said about how Jesus didn't tell us when the rapture would happen, when the tribulation would happen, but he gave us signs to know that we were getting close to it, the signs of the last days. So in Matthew chapter 24, uh, we have the signs of the last days as being the rise of false messiahs and false religions, which has always happened um, since uh, Jesus died and was resurrected. Um, but just in the last 50 years, we've had over 1,100 leaders claiming to be Christ. So there's a huge spike in that. And then the second sign nation will go to nation will go against nation we had world war 1 world war 2 was a continuation of world war 1 so that's the world war that jesus was talking about that we would see and that so world war 1 was the first war in human history where the entire world was involved so nation against nation kingdom against kingdom and i i believe actually that that phrase is a Hebraism, so it's like a Hebrew uh, figure of speech, which I think just means everyone fighting everyone, right. yeah. basically. But World War One, and I mean, just going along with all of these other things, the earthquakes and all that stuff that's mm -hmm. happening, it is really a dead giveaway of all of these things are yes. starting to happen at the same time. And like you said, there's always been war since and before Jesus walked the earth, but there never has been, until World War I, there's never been a war that the entire world, every nation, was involved in. Yes, and then he said, Jesus said too, there would be an increase in famine and pestilences, which are like diseases that that are fatal, just a bunch of sickness. We obviously saw that with COVID. There is a huge from this article published in um hold on let me just start that over jesus also said we would see an increase of famine and pestilences and right now a, a global epidemic of cancer is emerging um a review of cancer data from 44 nations recently published in the nature reviews clinical oncology reveals that certain types of cancers, like a lot of them, are growing at significant rates. And then another, which I just thought was interesting because this article, these articles are just scientific. They, they, they don't have anything to do, or at least they think they don't have anything to do with um, the Bible. But I found this article titled, Pestilence and Famine, Continuing Down the Vicious Cycle with COVID-19. And it talks about how world hunger's on the rise, like higher rates of everything. And I just thought it was funny because it's it's called pestilence and famine. Like and it's a scientific article where, you know, they just deny. Yeah. 
um, all this stuff, but you see it, you see it all happening. And then also the increase in earthquakes. Um, there was an article from the United States Geological Survey government website, and they said in the past 40 to 50 years, our records show that we have exceeded the long-term average number of major earthquakes about a dozen times. So it's like way up there. And that's, that's exactly, isn't it? It's exactly what Jesus said we would see. So all of these things tell us, yes, we are, we're close. Like, yeah, Jesus is right at the door. He could come at any time. And then another thing too is in Second Timothy, Paul gave us examples of what people would be like in the last days. So he says um, in Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, he says, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the, la in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Does that sound like the world today or what? <laughs> like, I, I would say you, so. Definitely. I mean, when you when you go online, there people comment on different things, like just hateful comments. And it's not like you see it all the time, not even just online. You see it everywhere. People are just yeah, people don't they money is their god or whatever is it's exactly what this what Paul said the last days were going to be like. And yes. then he also said in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 3 through 4, he says for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine instead to suit their own desires they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths and that's when you, that's what you see when how people say well you can't trust the bible because it's so old and and there's all these new types of christianity that promote values that are not what god promotes in values right at all it's, it's the exact opposite a lot of it that they're trying to welcome into Christianity is not what God wants for us. And he's made it clear from the very beginning. Like, you know the the, the basics, you know what I mean? Yeah, and absolutely. So, yeah, and people are just complete. They don't even want to listen to the real truth, which is the Bible. They just completely turn away and they, they don't even want to hear it because it doesn't make them happy. It doesn't suit their desires. Right, they put their feelings and their own... I guess interpretations yes. before what scripture actually says. Because we know that first and foremost, scripture is the most important. Well, people are now basing their, like the way that they think just off of experience and emotion. Yes. Instead of like scripture, tradition, and all that stuff uh, before that. So now it's the complete opposite way of living where you don't refer to the scripture. It's just, well, this might hurt somebody's feelings, so we have to add it in now. And that is a whole thing we could do in itself. But, <laughs> but yeah, the, what Paul says about the last days in people, we definitely see right now. To a I mean, with cancel culture and all these different types of just hateful things. Yes, There's just so much... What's natural will become unnatural. What's seeing, good will become evil. Yes. We're seeing that everywhere. Yes. Absolutely everywhere. And something that's interesting is that it's happening to the entire world. It's not just certain 
countries or certain people. Right, it's, it's the whole world. Everywhere. As was, you know, the, the COVID virus affected the entire world, mm-hmm. which those to me also are signs that the rapture is very near and that then after, of course, thank, thank goodness. Yes. After the rapture, the tribulation. Something else that I thought was interesting, I was actually watching a show on the fall of the Roman Empire. And one of the first things that happened to the Roman Empire was, I think, war. But then there was a plague, basically. There was a sickness that was brought from somewhere else that they had no immune system to fight off. So tons of people, tons of soldiers died. And it started off with a plague in the beginning, which is also what happened to Egypt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they had the 10 plagues. I feel like, and I'm going to do some more research on this, but I feel like this is kind of a common thing to mm-hmm. when God's, you know, warnings and eventual judgments start to come on these uh, different cultures and societies. And it's, it's almost like, it's, it's pretty much like a template. Yeah. And yeah. What happens when a nation falls away from God? In this case, in the, in the rapture, like the end times, the whole world is falling away from God. Right. Like the whole world is turning away. So, yeah, like, like in Rome or the Greek Empire and all these different huge nations that have fallen... They also had sexual immorality, which God does not like at all. They were obsessed to with it, it's always towards the end of the empire for whatever reason. Well, I guess we kind of know why, but towards the end of these empires, there was always an obsession with gender, all kinds of different things about gender, which is really interesting because now we've had a global mm-hmm. plague. We have a global happening of this gender obsession. Something else is that technology really makes it easy for anything to be global. I mean, yes. information can be sent out instantly to literally everyone in the entire world. So that also plays into the Antichrist with his global one world government, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. It also has to do with, um, in Revelation, when it's talking about the two witnesses that God sends down, the two witnesses will prophesy for the first half of the tribulation. Then when the Antichrist breaks the peace treaty with Israel, he kills the two witnesses. And it says that the whole world sees them laying on the ground for three days. How could that be possible? But we have technology. So that's how that could be possible. Right. You think about like in the basically just before the Internet. um, Yeah. When the Bible says every eye shall see him. How would before the Internet conceptualizing that is extremely difficult because the only way that that would be a reality at that time was if everyone in the world was gathered in one spot and could all see the same thing, which seems totally impossible. But we know now with technology that is entirely possible 
in basically the blink of an eye. You can start recording something, recording a video, and everyone in the world can see it, even watch you know, watch it happening live. Right. And anytime there's any kind of big event, of course, every news channel is going to be covering that. So no matter what, if you're on TikTok, if you're on Facebook, if you're just watching the news, I mean, literally everywhere, people are going to be able to see this. And I, I would guess once the first, say, news channel covers the story, immediately every other form of media is going to be yes. covering that story. Yes. So it's going to be everywhere right I well and like. you see like on facebook or twitter instagram snapchat when something in the big in the news happens it's all over social media and those websites and everything like you know what i mean so you Absolutely. even if you don't watch the news you'll see It'll these be big events online yeah. <laughs> so i want to give you guys kind of a general timeline of these events in terms of the rapture the tribulation the second coming so the rapture is imminent, like you said, Jocelyn. It could happen at any second. All of the believers dead or alive will be caught up to meet Jesus in the clouds and return to heaven with them. Then, sometime after that, the Antichrist will rise to power, sign the seven-year peace treaty with Israel, allowing them to rebuild the temple, and that is the beginning of the seven-year tribulation. Now, there's all kinds of things we could spend all day talking about the things that happen during the tribulation. And we will talk about yes. that, of course. <laughs> but um, for our purposes today, we're just going to say the tribulation, that seven-year period. Now, once Jesus returns to earth during the second coming with the church, the saints, that is where the battle of Armageddon will happen. And Satan will be cast into darkness for a thousand years the millennium will start. So the second coming of Jesus Christ, we are gonna be with him. And at that point, we're gonna basically transfer into the messianic age. Yes. And we'll get into the millennium. But the main point that we wanted to clear up, because this was something that was never clear to me. I always thought, you know, we, we've gone to church our entire life yeah. since we were babies. Yep. And until I really started diving into the Bible to find these things out for myself, I thought that you die, you go to heaven, you're there forever. I knew nothing about the millennium. I knew nothing about the fact that the rapture and the second coming were two totally different events. And if you would have told me that, I wouldn't have had any guess as to why those things would be different. So um, I feel like even people that are experienced in their research of the Bible and their knowledge of the Bible, I mean, there's biblical scholars that believe that the rapture and the second coming are one and the same. But obviously there's, there's so much evidence in scripture that prove that they cannot be the same thing. And some of those, I mean, you know, words from Jesus himself. So also, after the millennium, the non-believers will be resurrected because remember, during the rapture, only the believers are going to be resurrected to meet their spirit and get their perfect spiritual body. But after the millennium, after that thousand-year reign, when Satan is cast into darkness, then there will be the white throne judgment. So the white throne judgment is only for non-believers and they are judged on 
the sins they committed, the bad things that they did, because they didn't accept Jesus and accept the fact that he's already paid for their sins. And, and basically what they've said is, I'll just pay for him myself. And the believers are judged by Christ, but not on the bad things or the sins that they've done because those have all been forgiven. So what they are gonna be, what we are gonna be judged on is we're basically gonna get, I like the term upgrades because that makes sense because when you're saved, you're saved. So you're gonna be, you're gonna get raptured. You're gonna be with Jesus. When we get to the judgment seat of Christ, he's gonna say, you know, you did this, this was a great thing. You're going to get this for that. And we get, you know, different crowns and uh, different treasures, I guess you would say. And no one knows exactly what that looks like, but what we do know is that only the non-believers will be judged for their sins. The believers will only be judged on the good things that they did and will be rewarded for those. And, you know, we're, we're going to have like jobs, I guess you would call them basically, because we're going to rule and reign with Jesus. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have certain things that we do. So I imagine that based on the things that Jesus has entrusted with us here on earth, you know, showing him that we can handle those things adequately, I feel like would, I guess, put us in a better position to, I don't know if you'd say have more responsibility. I'm not sure exactly what that looks like, but what I do know is that, and the Bible specifically mentions crowns, which we'll talk about that another time, but you know, those are rewards that we will receive at the judgment of Christ for the believers. So take comfort in the fact that one, our sins are forgiven, two, amongst many other things, of course, but I'm just naming off a few, um, but two, that we don't have to be at the white throne judgment. We don't have to pay for our sins. Um, it's just such an absolutely wonderful thing. And all we have to do is have faith in the fact that Jesus died for our sins and was resurrected and that our sins are paid for. We do know that we are in the end times because of World War I, but what does keep watch mean when he tells us to keep watch because, and be prepared? Because um, you can't really pack a bag to <laughs> yeah. waiting for the rapture. I mean, literally nothing. I don't even think our clothes are gonna come with us. Right. We're gonna get, get new white robes. Up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what does being prepared mean? So we know that we've given our life to Jesus Christ so that is the most important way to be prepared. What else can we do to be prepared? So I think that one of the most important things, aside from giving our life to Jesus, that we can do to be prepared is to teach our children the ways of God, tell our friends, our family, anyone that will listen, really, about Jesus, about salvation, and just sharing that with as many people as we can. So in terms of the rapture for, I guess you would say yourself personally, being prepared is giving your life to Jesus Christ. And then beyond that is sharing that, sharing the gospel, sharing that information. And I know that there's a lot more to this, but these are just certain things that have, I guess, stood out to me recently. 
um, that I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to share. And also reading the Bible, that helps you prepare. You know, there's obviously God, it's God's word. So he's telling you what he wants you to know and praying too for Jesus to return Yes, is another way we can be prepared and just, you know, doing good things here on earth is also how we can be prepared. Like, right. Because we are forgiven, but God still wants us to be good people. Right. And when you have the Holy Spirit in you, it seems like certain things you will feel very convicted of that maybe you wouldn't feel as convicted of before, I guess, you have the Holy Spirit in you. But the Holy Spirit will point things out. Yes. And you'll know that, oh, that's something that I need to work on. And maybe it's you know something that you've never even thought of before. Um, but the Holy Spirit helps guide us. But know that no matter what we've done, how bad it's been, how bad we think we might be in trouble or anything like that, the moment that we give our life to Jesus, our sins are completely, completely wiped clean. God, Jesus, they just want to be close to us. They're with us always, especially when we have the Holy Spirit, but they just, imagine your parent hasn't seen you in, I don't know, 20 years. Imagine the feeling and the look on their face that they would have when they finally saw you again. That's how I imagine Jesus is with us pretty much constantly. So no matter what we've done, we're forgiven and we can take comfort in knowing that Jesus is not counting our sins, no matter how bad, from the past against us. And he continually forgives us. God wants the best for us. And he knows how we can be our best and do our best in every aspect of life. And that is why he tells us to do what he tells us to do and not to do what he tells us not to do. When you're saved, and like you said, when you have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit convicts you on things, he's letting you know, and you, and when you read the Bible too, what is sin or what, you know, what the sins are that everybody struggles with. But when you're saved and you want to walk with Christ, you want to change those ways. Right, because God disciplines us in many different ways. But I think that one of the ways that he disciplines us is through feeling convicted about certain things. And I mean, the Holy Spirit will point those things out and mm -hmm. you'll think like, sometimes it's like, I never really thought about that before, but you know, maybe I should change that. And from the perspective of a parent, I have two daughters, a two-year-old and a six, almost seven-year-old. There's so many times that they want to do something and you know that you need to tell them no. Obviously, they don't always understand why and they think you're just being mean. They think that it's not fair, whatever it may be. But in reality, you are steering them in the right direction. And sometimes it has to be through tough love. But just being that guide that sets the direction for your children is what I imagine how God is to us. Because he's like, don't do that. That's not going to be good for you. And so I'm going to start to kind of do things to steer you away from that. And I'm going to start to kind of open your eyes 
towards certain things that you never thought about before. And you're going to feel convicted about these things because I know the best way for you to live. And I know how you can be the happiest. And it might not always be something that we understand, of course, just like children. But God does have, of course, the best intentions for us. And he wants us to he wants us to be happy. He wants us to enjoy life and get the most out of life. But he also wants us to keep our sights focused on heaven, focused on him. And when you truly get to the point where you are just really feeling the Holy Spirit and you're getting in tune with the Holy Spirit, you'll feel convicted about these things that God wants you to change. And Sometimes I find it personally, there's certain things that I find it easier to, like I just, I don't want those quite as much anymore. Obviously there's always, always temptation. Satan will throw any kind of temptation that he possibly can at you, but it seems like almost your, I mean, your priorities change for sure, but I feel like there's almost sort of like a subconscious part to it. And that's probably just the Holy Spirit helping influence you. But there's certain things that, you know, maybe you used to do that now you don't really care as much about. And sometimes you don't even know why. And you're mm-hmm. glad, definitely. Yes. And there are also, of course, many, many things that you have to work really hard on to try and kick those habits or or whatever it may be or change, um, change those things. So God is coming to us, Jesus is coming to us from a loving, fatherly perspective. Jesus was actually the first Jew um, in his time to use the word Abba when referring to God. So Abba is like a, I guess, intimate form, like you would say daddy, you know, instead of father or instead of whatever you may say. But, and that would also, the, the, the rest of the Jews were not happy about that because I guess they probably saw it as disrespectful or something like that. But when Jesus was on earth, he was telling us, your father loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to be close to you. He wants you to have that ambition in your heart to be close to him. Mm -hmm. And another thing too, that's important to remember, like in one of Paul's letters to one of the churches, he's saying, I think because a lot of them who were in the church were continually sinning in different ways. And he was like, because we are saved, does that mean we should keep sinning? No, we should try our hardest not to give in to these temptations and all that, you know, all the things that we struggle with that are sin. Because you don't want to take advantage of what Christ did for us. Because what he did for us what he had to go through was horrible nothing that any anyone could handle except for god so we don't want to take advantage of that because we're saved and that he paid for our sins they they were paid for with a price it wasn't an easy thing for jesus to be murdered in like a horribly violent way so that's another thing that Um, it's just important to remember, like, don't just keep sinning because you're saved. That's not how it works. You know what I mean? Right. And we're, of course, we are always forgiven. And it's so good to ask 
for forgiveness. In some instances, I find that you find so much more happiness or way more happiness than you think that you would in doing these things that God wants us to do as opposed to, you know, thinking, I know how to make myself happy. I know what will make me happy. It's that new car. It's whatever it may be. And God is saying there's so much more for you. Like if, if you only knew what I have for you, you would you could you wouldn't be able to care less about the things that you think that you can attain on your own that will make you happy. And when you're saved, I feel like Satan will you're a target. Satan will try to throw anything that he possibly can at you, especially, you know, Satan, demons, they know our temptations. They mm -hmm. observe us, basically. So they know they don't know our thoughts. They don't know exactly what's in our heart, but they do know what they can figure out based on just watching our behavior. Because if you watch someone for long enough, you can learn a lot about them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and also in the Bible, it says if you resist the devil, he'll go away. Like, he will stop bothering you you know, after a while, like, resist him and he'll flee from you because there's no point for him anymore. He can't, he can't try to take you down, you know? Right, right. So. And God will always provide a way out of temptation, of a bad situation, whatever it may be. Um, God will always provide a way. And God is always with us. Jesus is always with us and that's so important. So something that we always like to do is to give an opportunity for anyone that is listening to give their life to Jesus Christ. Now, we are not magic people. We are not pastors. We are not biblical scholars. We have no kind of divine power, anything like that. But what the Bible says is that in order to be saved, you only have to put your faith in Jesus. So if that is something that you would like to do, and I highly, highly recommend it would be the best decision that you could ever make of your life. But if you want to give your life to Jesus, just pray this prayer with me. God, I believe that I am a sinner and I believe that my sin has separated me from you. But Lord, I believe you love me. And because you love me, you sent your son Jesus to die for my sin. I believe that when Jesus died, his soul went to hell to pay the penalty for my sin. But I also believe when all my sin was paid for, God, you legally raised Jesus from the dead. And I believe that Jesus lives forevermore. And because he's paid for my sin, when I die, I get to go to heaven. And not because of myself, but because of what Jesus has done. Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me and you truly believe that in your heart, congratulations, you are going to heaven, you are saved, and you have just made the best decision of your entire life. I just yes. wanna add one thing. I want to, a lot of this research I got from Pastor Allen. Um, he is awesome. So definitely recommend checking out his stuff because he just makes everything, you know, all his sermons and everything he does a lot of just bible scripture and he explains it in a way that's really easy to understand
And he provides scripture proof for almost everything that he says. So it's kind of in a way, you don't have to argue with Pastor Allen. You're arguing with the Bible. So that'll wrap it up for this week's episode on the rapture. And we're just praying that these messages can be spread. If you know anyone that is considering giving their life to Jesus that is in a hard spot, anything like that, please share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Share this podcast because we want to reach as many people as we possibly can. Our number one main goal here is to spread the knowledge of the Bible, spread the gospel, and help do our part in bringing as many people to Jesus as we possibly can. So thank you guys so much for listening. We truly appreciate your support. And read your Bibles. Read these verses that we talked about. Check us out on this stuff. Definitely check out Pastor Alan, Alan Nolan of Cornerstone Fellowship. Um, He has many, many different series on many, many different things. So we will see you guys next week where we will be talking about the tribulation, all the things that have to do with that, the Antichrist, and the new Jerusalem, and the new earth, and the millennium, all those kinds of things. So it'll be another interesting one. We love you guys so much, and thank you again for your support. I really hope that you guys were able to get something out of this.